your head held high. Get back your democracy. Get back control of your country. Take Back Control has been the slogan of the year. Don't worry, we'll take our country back very soon. But what does it really mean? Take Back Control. We're back for a special six-part series of the weekly economics podcast looking at the new Economics Foundation's Agenda for Change. My name is Kirsty Stiles and this is Really Take Control. People genuinely do feel as if they're not in control of their own lives anymore, their own communities anymore, their own destiny anymore. I'll be talking to economics experts about how we can take control of our democracy, our society and, of course, our economy. Uh, First off, I'm here with Christine Berry, who's the Principal Director for Politics and Government here at the New Economics Foundation. She's also the author of The Agenda for Change and she's going to kick things off. So hi, Christine. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me back. So the New Economics Foundation relaunched a month ago uh, with a new logo, a new website and a new focus. Um, We haven't spoken much before about the New Economics Foundation, the think tank uh, that powers this podcast. So first things first, can you tell us what a think tank is uh, in terms of kind of the New Economics Foundation's view of that? What is a people powered think tank? What do you do? Well, traditionally, I guess a think tank is a place where clever people sit and come up with clever ideas and try and persuade policymakers of how clever they are so that they will implement them. Um, So our vision for a think tank is a bit different. Um, We're interested in being connected to the real world, making ourselves accountable to people on the ground who are trying to build power, trying to change their communities, trying to change the way the economy works. And we think that that's the way that we're going to get the kind of far reaching political change that we need. So we're very much still about big ideas and about shaping the future. But we want to do that with people uh, and not just inside this lovely glass building that we're in. Okay, I love it that, that policymakers are not people. <laughs> not no. those weirdos. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Real people, Kirsty. Real people. <laughs> real people. Taking real Got control. It. So, um, as you've just alluded to, hashtag take control is, uh, is the new uh, mission, uh, but it's obviously uh, more broad than just a hashtag. And that sounds pretty familiar as well, Christine. Uh, I remember a few people telling us uh, Brexit was all about taking back control. So why is the New Economics Foundation now talking about taking control? Well, I think we kind of need to ask ourselves why the slogan um, taking back control was so successful in the Leave campaign. And I think most people now recognise that one of the reasons for that was that it tapped into a really widespread sense of disempowerment and disenfranchisement, which actually goes way beyond Leave voters and which we think that the Leave campaign um, shouldn't be allowed to own. So we did some polling of Remain voters and found that 62% of them think that the world is run by a few powerful people and that they don't have a say. 55% of them think that business and corporate elites have too much power. And 55% of them think that the economy is headed in the wrong direction. So, you know, we've had, what, 40 years of an economic consensus that promised that it was going to take control away from big, powerful institutions like the state and the trade unions and hand it to ordinary people through markets, um, you know, consumers, entrepreneurs. And that's just not what happened. Um, People don't feel that they have real control over their lives. Something's gone really badly wrong. Uh, and we think that it needs to be fixed. So you've identified a few groups that a lot of people in society would say ha- have more control over uh, what goes on here than, than ordinary people. If we don't have control, who would you say actually does in reality? 
Uh, well, I think we've got an economy, particularly here in the UK, that where power is massively concentrated in the hands of a few. And particularly, we've got an economy where power and control doesn't come from producing you know, useful things. It doesn't actually come from entrepreneurs being successful by creating a product that people want to buy. If you actually look at the people that have most power in our economy, it's people who control assets, basically. And so uh, landlords, for example, uh, and big developers that control massive amounts of land and housing. You know, we have uh, an entire economy, really, that's based on controlling housing wealth and that acts like that can be a kind of substitute for actually kind of producing things that people want to buy, which, of course, it can't, as we found out in the financial crisis. Um, you know, we've got a small number of uh, energy companies that control essentially kind of common resources and um, make huge profits, as the competition regulator has found, basically at the expense of consumers who are being overcharged for energy that they need and don't have a choice not to buy. So it's not a coincidence that we've got kind of the big five banks, the big however many supermarkets. This is kind of happening across our economy. We've got an economy that's systematically sucking wealth and power upwards towards people who control assets and that enables them to control more assets rather than actually kind of distributing it to ordinary people. Okay, so as we've just said, Brexit was supposed to be about taking uh, back control. So now that we're leaving the EU, do you think that we're going to be taking control away from those, um, you know, the big four, the big six? Uh, well, sadly, not necessarily, because I suppose that's that's really the kind of crux of it, isn't it? Is that our kind of critique of the story that was told in the Brexit campaign was that it really didn't have that analysis of who we needed to take control from. You know, we were told that we needed to take control from basically Brussels bureaucrats and immigrants. And so I guess just looking at both of those, on the one hand... We're being told that the only control that really matters is the ability to control our borders, which is kind of quite terrifying and disastrous in terms of the level of kind of racism and xenophobia that we're now seeing in British society and the kind of discourse that's growing where um, we're being encouraged to blame outsiders and foreigners for, for these kind of structural problems in our economy rather than these kind of imbalances of power. And the Brussels bureaucrats one is interesting, you know, because again, like the other part of the story we were told was all about sovereignty and parliamentary sovereignty, and we were going to be able to make our own laws. And up until now, what we've been seeing with Brexit is really a power grab by the executive, by the government, um, who is going to get to make all the big decisions about how we exit the European Union, decisions that are going to affect us for generations. And even now that uh, this court judgment, you know, might be giving Parliament a say, there's definitely still a massive danger that, for example, as European law is uh, transposed into UK law, um, we're going to see a massive wave of social and environmental protections being stripped away by the government with very little accountability to the rest of us. So the idea that Brexit in and of itself is going to make our country more democratic and is going to make our laws more accountable to us, I think, is also kind of very dubious indeed. Oh, who'd have thought it? So in the new Economics Foundation's new Agenda for Change, um, which you're one of the authors of, um, you use a, a metaphor of taking control of the destination, the journey and the vehicle. Hopefully you're not taking me anywhere on one of those adult scooters that you see all the time here in London, because if we're going on that, Christine, I'm not going. Um, OK, understood. How, how do we take control, uh, firstly, of uh, the destination, do you, do you think? 
I guess when we talk about taking control of the destination, the question that we're really asking is, what's our economy really for? Um, I think one of the problems and that one of the problems people are recognising exists with our economy after Brexit um, is that for a long time we've acted as if we can just grow the economy and everything's going to get better. You know, if we grow the size of the pie, a rising tide will lift all boats. Everyone's going to be better off. Um, And that hasn't happened for a whole host of reasons, right? You know, for a start... um, most of the extra pie is going to people who already had quite a lot of pie. And in fact, average living standards have stagnated for decades in this country, um, the same as in the US. Um, so most people aren't actually getting any more pie. But it also ignores a whole host of things that actually matter to people. So, you know, um, it's just not the case that you can destroy a job in a factory in Hull and create a job in the city of London. And as long as they add the same to GDP, that's equivalent. You know, you've destroyed a kind of a community, a livelihood, something that gave someone a sense of identity and a sense of pride. You've created a totally different job in another part of the country, somewhere else, doing something totally different. Like those things are not equivalent and we need to stop acting as if they are. You know, we need to really um, regain the ability uh, to decide what we want from our economy democratically and to try and achieve that together rather than kind of, um, I guess, ceding that power to economists and this idea that economists know objectively what's best for the economy. You know, the economy isn't an entity, an end in itself. It exists to give us all better lives. And if it's not doing that, then it's failing. Pie and Hull, thank you. Two of my favourite northern things. So what uh, does it mean then to take control of the journey? So I guess when we talk about taking control of the journey, we're really talking about decision making um, and democracy. Um, the idea that as far as possible, you know, decisions should be made close to the people that they affect, that they should be made democratically on the basis of one person, one vote. Uh, and again, the way that our economy has been restructured in the last few decades is that institutions based on one person, one vote have been kind of replaced with institutions based on one pound, one vote or kind of marketized institutions, basically. Um, And it's not really surprising that in that system, power has ended up in the hands of the wealthiest rather than being distributed to everybody. Um, So we think that there are ways that we can build new institutions that really give people democratic control over the things that matter to them, um, but that do that in a way that is really as close as possible to um, the people affected by decisions, that is local, that is participatory, that is genuinely accountable. So things like people's energy companies at city level Um, Things like uh, driver-led cooperatives as an alternative to Uber, you know, where drivers are really in control of the platform and of the work they're doing. Um, Things like uh, local people's banks with representation from the community, from small businesses, um, from customers. Uh, So there are all kinds of ways that we can radically democratise our economy and, you know, make sure that we all have control over the journey, I guess, over the decisions that are being made that affect our lives. Devolution? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I think alongside that kind of economic democracy, we also need much more political democracy, right? So like I was saying earlier, you know, uh, the fact that we've left the European Union doesn't at all mean that we have a more democratic system in terms of the way that laws are made and the way that decisions are made. Um, We think that devolution presents an opportunity, but at the moment something of a missed opportunity to really give control to communities um, to kind of not just elect new city mayors, but have a much more participatory approach to people getting to decide what they want from the place that they live in. Um, Things like participatory budgeting, citizens' assemblies, there are all kinds of really exciting experiments happening up and down the country in these things, but um, it needs to be much more widespread. 
Okay, so finally then, uh, Christine, what did you mean by taking control of the vehicle, assuming it's going to be one of those lovely autonomous vehicles of the future where we can all just sit back and relax? No? Um, Yeah, maybe I'm stretching the analogy at this point, um, but I guess we wanted to make the point that actually, you know, contrary to kind of what we've been told in the public debate for quite a long time now, ownership really does matter. You know, who owns resources matters, especially given that, like I said earlier, we've got an economy now where ownership of assets confers a massive advantage in terms of your ability to live a good life. So the average house in the UK now earns more by rising in value every year than the average worker gets from their wages. Like, that is crazy. Oh That's my a God. crazy way to run an economy, right? But it means that we can't ignore the question of who owns what, who owns the houses, who owns the land that the houses sit on, who owns our energy, um, you know, the common resources from, from which we get the things that we need to live. Um, and also, you know, uh, the infrastructure of the digital economy. So data is a really interesting one here, right? Like data is going to be um, one of the key commodities of the future. And we all kind of hand our data over for free to the likes of Facebook and Google on a routine basis. Um, so there are big questions about who should control um, these kind of resources that are the basis of the wealth that our economy creates. And again, we think that there's ways of doing that that are much more kind of democratic, but also more accountable to communities on the ground, to real people um, in their communities. So like community land trusts as a way of owning land in common, um, cooperative energy companies um, as a way of investing in renewables. You know, we don't just have to replace big unaccountable fossil fuel companies with big unaccountable renewable companies. We can actually create new kinds of companies that are owned by the people um, benefiting from the energy at a community level and that actually makes us much more able to tackle environmental challenges you know people are much less likely to be angry about a wind farm on their doorstep if they actually own it have a stake in it are benefiting from it um, and can see that it's helping them and their communities gosh that is a great stat the um, house is earning more it's than you. terrifying yeah. isn't it? it's, it's totally crazy I, I couldn't believe it when I had but it's true yeah should I look at marrying a house question mark <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so this all sounds, um, you know, sounds exciting. We've discussed a lot of uh, these um, kind of localism, uh, sustainability, uh, more democratic ideas before. Um, but if the government isn't going to do any of this, then who is? I think what we're really excited about with this Agenda for Change is that there are people up and down the country that are starting now to take control together of the things that matter to them. And actually, probably that's the only way that we're ultimately going to get a politics and a government that is willing to change things as well, is if we come together to start building power, building new solutions that can help us to take control together. Um, So there are loads of really exciting groups that we're working with from Uber drivers who want to set up a new app that allows them to control their work rather than Uber, Uh, you know, from people trying to set up a renters union um, so that they can have more power over their negotiations with private landlords or push for legislation that can give renters better rights, Um, from campaigns for people's energy companies like the Switched on London campaign, um, which Sadiq Khan has said that he's going to set up a people's energy company for London thanks to campaigning by groups that NEF has been supporting, to civil society groups who are defending our laws and our protections from unfair trade deals, small businesses taking on big banks um, through the courts and through our politics. You know, there are all kinds of ways that we can start now to try and tip the balance of power in our economy away from um, a few and towards ordinary people. Okay, Christine. Well, I know that you've worked very, very hard on uh, building the agenda for change. And so thank you very much for for that and for teeing us up for the rest of this super special series. Uh, We'll uh, be interviewing more New Economics Foundation experts. We'll be chatting with some special guests. 
uh, and that's going to be every week for the next five weeks uh, so listeners make sure you tune in it's going to be great thanks Christine thanks Kirsty. So gang, you've made it this far uh, and if you like what you've heard and want others to hear it too, please send it to a friend, uh, leave us a cheeky review on iTunes and at the very least, please give us some stars. We'll be back at the same time next week. Bye.